together growing in faith, changing communities. Dear friends, today I would like us to reflect on the book of the prophet Isaiah chapter 42 from verse 5. Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and what comes from it, and who gives breath to the people upon it, and the spirit to those who walk in it. I would like us to begin from there. And I think it is important for Isaiah to have a preamble, as it were, and he uses this preamble to introduce us to the most important words that he's going to say from verse 6. It is the God, the Lord, who created the heavens and everything. It is the mastermind. It is the greatest manufacturer. It is the owner, the CEO of the company. So whatever is about to be said by God is important because no one else has more authority than him. The buck stops with him. He is the one who knows. He is the one who created. He is the one who has the intention, the purpose, and the finality of what he has created. Yes, he is the creator of the heavens and everything. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth and everything that is good that comes within it. But he is also the one who gives breath, who gives life, who gives purpose, who gives the spirit to those who walk on the earth. I find my purpose in God. I find meaning in God. I find life in God. In everything that I do, it has to be aligned with the plane and with the plan and with the purpose of God. It has to, in a way, fulfill that which God had in mind when he created me. And that is the most interesting starting point in understanding our identity as human beings, that I owe my existence to God. My life has to be a fulfillment, a living out, a spreading out, an extension of the will of God. And the Lord says something absolutely and incredibly beautiful from verse 6. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. The Lord calls us by name. He says, Tembelani, Samkelisiwe, Sindisiwe, Sinetemba, Martin, Craig, Anthony. I have called you. I am the one who has called you into existence. I am the one who has called you out of my mind. I am the one who is responsible for you. The calling has a far more deeper meaning when it is understood within the context of vocation. 
I find my vocation in the plan of God. The word calling here, I also think it has to be understood within the context of creation. I called you into existence. And if you go to Genesis chapter 1, that's how God creates, by using the word. And so the, the calling has to do with the word, has to do with efficacious words, that, that which God says comes into being, into existence. And he calls something out of nothing, and it becomes something. And so when God says, I have called you, it has that first connotation of being called, of being created, of being taken out of nothing into something greater. The second instance and the second interpretation for me is to say a calling can also be a way of bringing me back from the waywardness, from being astray, and God says, hey, come back. This is where you're supposed to be. This is where you're supposed to be existing and finding fulfillment and purpose in your own life. And so I also find this is absolutely powerful that God is inviting us back. He's calling us back, not to chastise us, not to demean us, but to remind us and to say, you are still my beloved. I still love you. My pleasure still rests within you. And so he says, I've called you out of righteousness. And he kind of like, I don't see and understand what, what are you doing over there. It doesn't make sense. Why do you do the life or live the life that you are living? Uh, it doesn't make sense why you've left the place of grace and chosen to stay in the place of shame. But nevertheless, I have called you and I would like you to come back with me. It is a God who extends his hand of mercy. It is a God who extends his love. It is a God who shows compassion, who says, I have called you to come back and to be with me. The second phrase and the word and the verb that is used, I have taken you by the hand. I'm holding you by the hand. And I'm always reminded of this story of a young man who has a vision and in this vision he talks to God and he prays to God and he says Lord I'm so scared I'm so terrified of what is going on in the world of what is going on in my life would you allow me to hold your hand the young man says to God and God looks at the young man and God says no I don't think it's a good idea for you to hold my hand but I want to hold your hand God says to the young man the young man says, but Lord, what's the difference? You know, you holding my hand and me holding your hand, what's the difference? And God says to this young man, if you as a young person holds my hand, what are you going to do when you're scared, when you're terrified, when the going gets tougher and when you have to deal with the realities of life? You will let go of my hand. But if it was me holding your hand, no matter what happens in your life, I will remain faithful. I will still hold your hand and I will hold it through everything. And that is something interesting. Two things are important here. I have taken you by the hand. The first one is the verb, 
taken you. I am the one who've come to rescue you. I am the one who've taken interest in you. I am the one who shows concern about you in your life and about everything else. And so I have taken notice of you. And many people feel unnoticed, unloved. And God says, I've taken notice. I know what you're going through. Go back to to Exodus chapter 3. When God says to, to Moses, I have heard the cry of my people. I have seen their misery. I have come down to rescue them. I am tired. I want to help. I want to change the situation. It gives me an idea of a God who cares. It gives me an idea of a God who loves beyond words. Of a God who wants to get his hands dirty. Of a God who wants to change the situation. Even though he wants to change the situation, he does not impose himself. He doesn't throw his weight. He doesn't say, I'm God, I'm going to do as I want. He, he, He will want our cooperation. He begs for our cooperation. That we cooperate with him so that he can operate as best as he can. And he says, I have taken you by the hand. And that's an important thing, the hand of God. And I'm always reminded of the the painting of Rembrandt when he paints the the picture of the prodigal son. And he has these two hands, one which is very masculine and very strong, one which is very feminine and very soft, very gentle. And I think in God, both hands are found. There is this firm, strong hand that leads us, that directs us, that protects us. But there's also this feminine, soft, gentle hand that nurtures us, that loves us, that cushions us, that reminds us that we are still loved. And my dear brothers and sisters, quite a number of us need to be reminded that we are still loved. That we are loved even though we cannot feel it. We are loved even though the world and our own experiences have told us that we are not worthy of being loved. And many of us are longing for that. We long for love. We long for that embrace that says, it's going to be okay. We long for that embrace that says, I love you. We long for that embrace that says, I understand. I understand. And sometimes that's all we need. Someone who's going to tell us, you're not crazy. You're not stupid. You haven't lost it. I understand. And so when he says, I have taken you by the hand, it gives me this sense of comfort. It reminds me of Isaiah, those two images that Isaiah has. When he says, behold, I have written your name in the palm of my hands. Can a mother forget her baby? Even though she does, I will never forget you. I have written your name in the palm of my hands. And when God opens his hands and guess what he says? Your name, my name, the names of everybody in the world. But you know how he looks at it? He looks at it and I'm the only person that exists at that moment. And I don't have to compete for his mercy. I don't have to compete for his love. I don't have to compete for his attention. And the second image that I also find absolutely powerful in Isaiah, as as the hen gathers her broods, 
her cheeks, her children, so too I gather you under my wings. I have taken you by the hand. It is a hand that protects. It is the hand that nourishes. It is the hand that heals. It is the hand that loves. Most hands, our hands, have inflicted so much pain. It has caused so much damage. To my greatest surprise and sadness in my heart, in the past couple of days, 87,000 cases have been reported of gender-based violence, of domestic violence. In the hands of human beings, we have caused so much harm. The same hands can be changed, can be transformed, can learn from the hand of God. The other thing that God says, he says, I have given you as a covenant to the people. This is interesting. I, the Lord your God, have given you Snetemba, have given you Martin, have given you Zandile, have given you Quake as a covenant. So substitute that name and use your name and hear what God says. And that is deep if you were to really, really, really think about it. God is giving you as a loving relationship to the people. He says, I'm giving you as a covenant to my people. I am giving you as a source of life to my people. I am giving you as a beacon of hope to my people. I am giving you as the light that shines in the darkness to my people. That's what we are called to be, to be a covenant to the world, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring prisoners out from prison, from darkness into new life. May Almighty God bless and protect you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.